Welcome to Cannabis School. I'm your host, Jesse Angelus. And I'm Brandon Elder. And we're here to talk to you about everything pertaining to cannabis, from vape, flower, edibles, strains, and everything in between. Everybody, we are so excited to be able to introduce our next guest. Uh, You're good. He, well, you know, really can't encapsulate him in, in one little sentence. No. No, so I mean, mm-hmm. kind of want to open it up a little bit. Paul Hutchinson is joining us. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. So, and the reason why I say that it would be really hard to encapsulate you within just one sentence, I want to go back real quick to Paul before the success. What drove you? What still drives you right now? Um. So when I was a little kid, in fact, five, eight, 10 years old. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a surgeon, not a regular doctor, but a surgeon, not a regular surgeon, but a heart surgeon and not a regular heart surgeon, but one that operates on children. I wanted to be a pediatric cardiologist. Wow. And, uh, what's amazing is if you fast forward now to what is it? 45 years later, um, I, my new passion is in healing childhood trauma and, uh, and, you know, being uh, a heart doctor, so to speak, not only with, uh, with the rescue of the children, with our, uh, with our philanthropy work, but in this new focus in understanding that all of us, uh, 30, 40, 50 year old men and women have, have been dealing with a lot of that trauma. We've realized that the child liberation foundation is not just here to rescue a, a 10 year old from the clutches of a trafficker in Honduras, but it's to, it's to help heal the 10-year-old inside of 40, 50-year-old men and women here in the U.S. And, and so we're, we're putting a lot of time and focus into trauma healing. And, um, but yeah, that was, that was my life way back then. I wanted to be a doctor. I, I, uh, I was also playing the piano. I was pretty good. I played for 15-plus years. I was somewhat of a concert pianist. And, and uh, a couple months before taking the MCAT, I had got a whole bunch of my pre-med stuff done, and a few months before taking that, I got in a major car accident, and I severed all the tendons in my hand, oh. and I still have I-80 right here, wow. and um, they didn't know if I'd have the dexterity to be a surgeon, and uh, I was talking to a, a doctor, and he, he said, Paul, this is going to take a few years to put all this back together. It's a pretty big mess. He said, I don't know if you'll ever play the piano again, and for sure, you, you're likely not going to have the dexterity to be a surgeon. And he said, you can be a regular doctor. And my answer was this. I said, I don't want to be a regular anything. (laughs) I said, said, if if I'm going to be a garbage man, I'm going to own the dump. That's just how I think. And so so I changed my major to business and finance and- uh, And that's done okay for you. That's done all right. Yeah. 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 We've done all right. You got a little scratch. Yeah. Our our company just hit 43 billion in assets under management. That's awesome. That I co-founded. And- have an amazing team that helped put that together. But, but yeah, I've been super blessed. And a lot of the things I'll share with your audience is, is the success principles that helped get not only the business where it needed to be, but the philanthropy and finding the children and the passion behind all of that. Yeah. So let's go into that. Like you talked about child trafficking and when, and when you bring that up, I mean, I, we've had a story before we've had a conversation, you took me through it. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But what what are you a part of that is being able to help combat that? 
I um I've I've helped with a number of foundations. I was brought in about ten years ago with uh, Sean Reyes, our Attorney General, who had been working with a Homeland Security agent who um, had found some children in, in in Latin America, and and I helped to fund some of those rescues. But then I was brought in in a very special role. Unfortunately, the majority of demand for sex with a 12-year-old in Latin America comes from wealthy business owners and, and celebrities and others here in the U.S. that have got big egos and lots of money. And, and this, um, this Homeland Security agent, Tim, had found these children in Cartagena, Colombia that were tied to this trafficking ring. And we helped to, with $50,000 with ours and some other money to help uh, rescue those children. But then he called and he said, Paul, he said, there's not just 20 children here. There's more than 50 in Cartagena, more than 100 in the surrounding areas. And he said, we can make a huge difference here. He said, we can rescue all of these children at the same time. In fact, this, this story I'm telling you here is in a movie that will be coming out this next year. It's called The Sound of Freedom. The actor who plays me is Eduardo Verostegui. He's, um, he's one of the more famous actors from Mexico. I was with the former president of Mexico and Eduardo, everybody wanted pictures with the, with Eduardo. Nobody cared about the president. <laughs> but at the, at, the, at the time we made that, that film, I was still doing a lot of undercover work. And so he doesn't play Paul Hutchinson. He plays Pablo, Pablo Delgado, the billion dollar fund manager who helps to fund the rescue and goes yeah. undercover and quits his job to find children, et cetera. And so um, and Jim Caviezel, he played Jesus, Passion of the Christ, yeah. Monte Cristo. He's the one that plays plays the Homeland Security agent and Tim in the movie. And so, and it's a it's a beautiful story about the rescue of these children. But what happened for me on that trip changed everything for me. I I had been donating a lot of money to child related charities. I was on the Make a Wish board for for seven years. I was the incoming chairman for Make a Wish here in the area. When when I I got that call and I I he said Paul he said. I need your help in a big way to make this happen. And I said, what's a big way? Do you mind my big check? What do you need? And he said, I need you. Can you be in Columbia in two days? He said, I, I have to have somebody who can go face to face with these guys and, and negotiate a big real estate deal. He said, the head trafficker has got a piece of property that he wants to develop into a child brothel sex resort. He needs $8 million to make it happen. He thinks he can be the next you know, Jeffrey Epstein Island type of a thing and make tens of millions of dollars a year with these children. And he said, I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to negotiate this deal. He said, but if you come down, he and he knew more about my background than most people. I have some skills that make me somewhat safe in dangerous places. And, and he, he said, your goal will be to come down and convince him that you would be interested in funding this child brothel resort under one condition, if he can prove to you that he can fill it and be successful with it by having a sex party for you and your buddies with 50 to 100 children. Holy shit. And, and so two days later, I'm face to face with the most evil people on the planet. I'm, I'm sitting at this table at this restaurant. There's four traffickers, three men, one female. This female was Miss Cartagena. She had this fake modeling agency. She used to be a, a beauty queen, and now she had a modeling agency. She was going around to towns in South America and telling the parents, oh, your daughter's too pretty to be working here in the field. She should be a model. And 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 they would bring her to a photo op, and boom, she'd be gone. And and so I'm sitting at this table. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my 
hell, this thing really happens. And halfway through the meeting, one of them leans forward and he goes, Pablo, he goes, I have a gift for you. I said, really, what's your gift? And he hands me his phone and there's a picture of an 11-year-old girl on his phone. He says, this is Princess. She's still a virgin. We just took delivery of something. She's, she's my gift for your party. Start talking about these horrible things you could do to this little girl. And I thought, if we could get these children out before they're ever raped the first time, that would be a miracle. Yeah. And something he said made me realize there was more than just her. And he, he I said, Fuego, you just took delivery. You, you have more virgin? Oh, yeah, I got three or four more. I said, you have to bring those to my party. I'm very interested in those. Uh, of course, you know, we need to get them out. He goes, oh, no, they're too expensive. So too expensive. I'm already paying, you know, in his mind here, $25,000 for this party. We're paying $500 per child for 50 children or more minimum just for a few hours in the afternoon. He goes, Pablo, he goes, you already paid $25,000. You want to F a virgin? It's going to cost you extra $2,000, maybe $5,000 for that little one. It's going to cost you maybe $10,000 more. And I'm like, oh my God, I was so mad. He's talking about these children like they're Yeah, how are you keeping your composure? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my nice shirt and I, I'm like, I put my hands on my chest. I'm like, you don't think I can afford an extra $10,000? He goes, oh no, jefe, no. I said, I want every one of those virgins in my party. I said, they damn well better be virgins when they get there. They're not for you, they're for me. You understand? He goes, oh, jefe, understand. The stupid smile on his face. And, and then the female trafficker that was there, she she goes oh no 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 we can't we can't bring them I said I thought I thought maybe she had a heart I'm like why you know why can't we bring them Oh they're not ready yet Oh why and 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 they're talking in Spanish half English half and I I said and she she said well you know we we need to show them you know we need to groom them they they have to show them pornography they have to have them watch live sex acts and stuff so she says if you're okay if they cry then we'll still bring them What oh, wow. dark dark yeah no souls uh, and, and 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 two weeks later we go back in we meet with the u.s embassy the company and this is tim and the guys and, and sean race came down at the time met with the u.s embassy colombian federal agents they provided 40 agents for the for the event four of them were kind of our maids quote some of them are our waiters and our cooks they weren't very good cooks, but they're armed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I thought they were going to blow our cover because they, they brought this cheese plate out that was <laughs> just like, shit. Just a, yeah, it was crap. It was this big thing of cheese. There was anything to cut it with or something. I'm like, it's like cheese whiz and crackers. <laughs> and you're exactly. like, what? This is our, yeah, it was, it was super fun. But, but, uh, so, so these guys then show up with 54 children. We we did three separate cities on the same day: Medellin, Armenia, and Armenia, and and uh, and Cartagena. A total of over a hundred and twenty children. Largest child rescue in one day in history that I know of up to that time. And we put the children in a separate place of the house because they're already traumatized enough. Yeah. And and we're sitting there because we want them to see the guns and the money changing hands and stuff. And we're sitting at this table and negotiating through all of this and. The, the trafficker that showed me the picture before, he goes, Pablo, I have to show you the gifts that I brought you. And he wasn't in the house. And this changed my life right here. He goes in the house where the children were. And he's in there for a few minutes and you could hear some of them crying. And he comes back out and he has four virgins, scared to death. Three little girls, one little boy. This little boy was 11 years old. He was taken from Haiti. They gave him cocaine that morning because he was so scared it was going to hurt. What kind of effed up monster thinks that that's attractive? 
And every, every cell in my body wanted to hug these kids, say, you're going to be fine. You're going to see your parents again. I couldn't say that. I'm I, This little girl, the same one he showed me on the picture, the one that they called Princess, she's standing in front of me. I'm sitting down. She standing up wasn't much taller than I was sitting down. And there was tear stains on her makeup face. And, and I took her little hand. She was, she was in there crying, scared to death of me. And, and the fear in her eye looking at me, I, I wanted to just say, yes, I'm not that guy. But she was so scared and she, I, her, her hands were shaking. I took her hands. I said, I said, Koma Sayama, what's your name? She didn't, she didn't know her name. I'm sure it's because her real name wasn't Princess. She was trying to figure out what she should say. And I said, it's the bien, it's okay. And she went back in the house, the most beautiful, well, even before the, the sting, this is important too. What happened next, we were supposed to order tequila after we have, we have undercover cameras everywhere. And, a, and we're, this is the dark part because we have to get each one of the traffickers to say exactly why the kids were there. So the kids never have to stand trial later and, and witness anything. We have it all on camera. So once we have all of that, then, then, uh, Tim orders tequila and, you know, and we're ready to go. Well, we make the order and two minutes later, the agents were supposed to storm the island, 25 moments and arrest everybody. They didn't show up two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 Whoa. minutes, half an hour. It was 45 minutes later when the, when they actually, what had happened is the lady from child protective services missed her alarm clock that morning and, and wouldn't let the sting happen. She missed the boat coming out. It was a disaster. Well, we didn't know that. What happened on our end, we're sitting there, okay, tequila, let's go. One of them gets up, great, I'm going to bring the cocaine. One of them gets up and he says, okay, I'm going to go get the kids. We're going to start this party. Well, we can't have that. No. So this was a miracle. I was, I, I'm like, what do we do now? And, 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 and I said, you know what? You guys just proved to me that you could provide what you said you would provide. You get those kids and the cocaine. I'm, I'm going to be effed up for the next couple of days. Why don't we do this? Why don't we, before we start the party, bring me a piece of paper. I'm going to do a business plan with you. I'm sitting here because I had done a whole bunch of business plans, you know, and this was a miracle that, that, that they had brought me in, that Tim had brought me into that, but because I knew how to do with this stuff. And I'm like, okay, we got to get some time. So I, I take out this piece of paper and I said, okay, at the top of it, let's dry out what this thing's going to look like. And we, we did that. And then we started working the business plan. Okay. Let's talk about the hard costs, what this is going to be. What does it cost for a little uh, Honduras girl? A couple thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, whatever. What does it cost? What does it cost for a little blonde American girl? What do you cost, pay average about $25,000? i am like writing all these numbers down, right? And then I said, okay, you guys told me that it cost a couple thousand dollars, maybe five thousand for little one, whatever, for 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 selling the virgin. Then after that one time, you know, I'm putting the numbers on this plan, like a real business trying to delay time for the agents to come. And then I said, now after that, then, then does it drop down to like $500 each, whatever? And then the female trafficker that was there, she goes, oh no. She said, you can, we can rent them out more than once as a virgin. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's only a couple hundred dollars for an operation to sew it back up. Oh my. <laughs> I almost threw up right there. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The most beautiful moment of my life was after the agents came and stormed the party and arrested everybody, threw us all on the ground. I had ants crawling on my neck and, 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 and the child protective services people came in with the children. That was probably such an amazing feeling. It was beautiful. I, 
they, they were trying to calm the kids down and they started laughing and singing with the children. And that sound of freedom versus the crying that we heard half an hour before was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. That's why we named the movie The Sound of Freedom is because that, that one moment I could, I could hear that laughter in there and I knew that next steps were rehabilitation and getting them back to their families. And they weren't supposed to tell the kids that we were the, the good guys, but I think maybe somebody said something or maybe that girl felt something. I don't know. Because as we were being let off the island after the traffickers were already gone, we were still in handcuffs. But that little girl, she was standing there by the window. Her hand was on the window where her little friends were by her. She was crying again but she was smiling and waving and said in her broken English, she said, thank you, Americans. And I broke down. I started crying. Yeah. And I turned to, to, to Sean and I said, I've spent my whole life making rich people richer. <laughs> I want to make a difference. I want to write you a check. What do you need? And at that point, he said, Paul, he said, unfortunately, the majority of demand for this horrible act in second and third world countries comes from wealthy men in first world countries who dress and talk and walk and act like you. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. I've led 70, I've been involved with or led 70 undercover rescue missions in 15 countries since that time, and it's changed my whole life. But today, and we'll talk about this a little bit further, I've come to an understanding that just rescuing 20 children, even 120 children at a time, is never going to fix the problem. Yes, it makes a massive difference in the life of each one of those children. Yes, that's super powerful. The truth is, it's a smash and grab. Yeah, we're working with the federal agents in those countries. It's a big ego boost for the guys who are there. That's not what it's about. If my goal is to solve this problem, I need to look bigger. One child being sold is unacceptable. Eight million is beyond comprehension. But that's a tiny number compared to the real problem and what I'm ready to, tra to, to tackle now. The real problem, the systemic problem with our society is, is generational abuse that people grow up and become contact offenders themselves. Yeah. In any room that you're sitting here in the U.S., if you have five men in that room, statistically 20%, one of those five men has experienced sexual violence in their life. 40% of all women have. And one-fourth of those women have experienced that violence as children. In the men, of the of the the twenty percent of all men, one fourth of them have experienced sexual violence under the age of ten years old. So, if you assume there's four billion men in the world, and you know twenty percent of them, now you're at eight hundred million, and then you figure one fourth of them. That's two hundred million men who have experienced sexual violence under the age of ten years old, and a huge number of them, almost a billion men and 1.6 billion women have experienced that. Not only sexual abuse, but then the numbers are even higher when you're talking about verbal and, and physical abuse, et cetera. And so this is why we have transferred over and said, yes, we're still going to pay for Navy SEALs and Green Berets and these guys to go undercover and go find these kids. But for me, this is this is my third public podcast that, that I'm going out with these stories publicly. And I just started a couple of weeks ago. And the reason behind it, I believe I'm done doing the undercover work. I'll let the other foundations that we fund do that. But for me personally, being able to take people into the pit of hell 
showing you the darkest, deepest depravity of human nature, just like I did in that story. I have I have over 70 missions. I can tell lots of stories like that. I can take people to the pit of hell, but I can bring them out and say, what do we need to do to change this problem? What things are we doing wrong? How can I, how can I take a 30, 40-year-old man or woman who has dealt with trauma as a child and help them heal that trauma before they become contact offenders? That will save millions of children. So yeah. that's my new passion. Yeah, and that's, you know, and, and I'm sure Brandon's heard many stories. I, I used to work for the state of Utah for about 10 years. And during that time, I had one guy work with me and there were telltale signs that he had been sexually abused as a child. And I had asked him point blank, because he was removed from a children's ward that they used to have him on due to allegations. And when he came over, I asked, I said, were you abused as a child? He goes, no one's ever asked me that. And I'm like, were you? He says, I was. And he had a lot of the, the signs and symptoms of that, being trapped into that certain mentality of that age. Like young girls, their voices go really high-pitched, and they stay that way all the way into adulthood, and they don't know why. And it's from this regressive memories that come up of sexual abuse. Unfortunately for this guy, um, it was years and years later, but he was busted. He was raided by the FBI here in Utah, and he had been... He was in within, you know, the local faith they have here, their wards and their people that attend these wards and a bunch of children he had, he had sexually oh, abused sorry. and he was right underneath it. And it was the hardest part was going through that, just thinking about how that could have been stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't, it, it's, it's always thinking about, look, we got to punish this guy. Yeah. Understandably so. But how do we stop that from actually even happening? In the first place. Right. Yeah, that's just like pulling those virgins out before they were ever raped the first time. How can we do that on a world scale? People ask me all the time, Jesse, if a, they say, they say, how are you able to sit face to face with somebody selling you an eight, 10 year old child? That's what and, I would wonder. And, and not have them see the anger and the hatred in your keep eyes. Keep that, like, Here, keep my, your my, cool. answer, my answer surprises them. It's because I love them. And they say, how can you do that? How can you love this, this, this monster? Now, I love the innocence of the children more, but I've come to an understanding that if I'm ever judging another human being, whether it's for ripping me off on a business deal, whether it's for cutting me off on the freeway, whether it's for yelling me in the store, whether it's for selling me an eight-year-old child, if I'm ever judging another human being, there is a one hundred percent chance that I don't have all of the information to make that judgment. Correct. I, I don't know true. if that guy cutting me off on the freeway, if his if his wife is in the hospital. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that guy yelling me at the store, if his 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 daughter is dying. I don't know. I don't know if that guy selling me a 10-year-old child, if he was raped as a child himself. He probably was. And there was probably a thousand bad things and bad decisions that got him to the point where he thought that it was okay to sell a child like that. Yeah. Now, I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure he never hurts another child again, but I can't judge him. I, I if you put me you in a room lived through his experiences I to know there's only one yeah. person in the universe and that ain't me. You know, you put me in a room. You say, "Paul, you've got 100 pedophiles and you've got 100 traffickers in this room." And you have a choice. Paul, you can either have a gun for the next hour and and no retribution or you can have a microphone. What would you take? I would take that microphone and I would take them into the pit of hell 
I would show them the depravity of the direction that they're going and what they've done. I would pull them out of that, and I would show them the way to light. I would show them how they can free themselves of these things. Now, most of them should stay in jail for until they've really figured out what's going on so that they're not ever, ever, ever in a position to hurt another child again. But I believe there's room for redemption. I really do. And in 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 your story, Jesse, I, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for that guy. Yeah. Now, I feel really bad for those children. Yeah, but I feel bad for the guy as well. Absolutely. You know, and, and you saw it back when, you know, he had some of that trauma himself. And I've seen it over and over again. So, so then the question becomes... How do we fix the system, the systemic problem? How do we fix the world? And 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 a lot of your audience is here because they're 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 you know for a long time cannabis was illegal and underground whatever. However, there's so many beautiful tools that can be used to help heal that trauma. That unfortunately, I'm just gonna say it. Big pharma decides that if they can't make money from it. If you can grow it in your own backyard, if they can't tax it, if they can't charge millions of dollars for the for the licensing and everything else, then then that must be an illegal way of of dealing with trauma. And and it's beautiful that today people are waking up and realizing that there are holistic tools, there are herbs, there are plants, there are plants that can be used to heal the body, there are others that can help to heal the mind to 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 heal the soul to heal trauma and those together with changing those negative habit patterns of thought the way that we see ourselves that lead people down this dark road those are all things that can be used to help people heal so how long ago did you start your introduction to plant medicines um this was about five years ago i um you know i was i was a hard advocate against it all i belonged to the predominant uh, church in the area and and there's nothing wrong uh, there my my children are still members my parents are etc I've, I've got a beautiful relationship with my savior and with my creator beautiful and I and I follow the the some some direction on everything that I do with the undercover rescue and I want to talk about that a little bit later as well but cool. on the on the healing side um, I was continued to be frustrated at the fact that we could pull people out of hell, but then they stay in hell. And a lot of these children, you know, we're able to, um, um, we're able to help them get into a safe house, into a beautiful place where they can, they can, they, they, they revive very quickly. But a lot of the older victims, the 20, 30, 40 year old yeah. victims, that's where they had a hard time. And my operators, and this is really where it started for me. A lot of my operators that were doing work with us were former special forces guys, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and they had trauma. They had a lot of PTSD. And what's super sad in this country is that so many of our vets come home and they're evaluated and then they get this stamp on their record saying PTSD and they're labeled as disabled for the rest of their lives. And they're given a bunch of drugs. Xanax yep. and everything else, and they're they're never really getting to the root of the problem, and so so realizing that that was a situation with some of my guys, and when they're going to the pit of hell and seeing an eight year old in in bondage, that adds to that trauma, and so um, a couple of them had brought to me some of these different uh, tools that um, 
uh, we, we, we went down to Mexico, we went to Colombia, we went to Peru and other places to be able to use some different types of plant medicine besides the cannabis stuff. And, 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 and cannabis is great when it comes to, you know, just uh, relieving of pain and anxiety mm-hmm. and things like that. But, but there are other things that were thrown under the bus in the late sixties Oh yeah, that, that are super powerful and super effective things, things like, like, uh, White lily and sassafras and 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 uh, uh, mistletoe and psilocybin and different tools that 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 Hop- John Hopkins University recently started doing some studies and have found that that when used with a guided meditation uh, type experience with a facilitator with the starting with a heart opener and then going that that people with massive trauma like this. Over 75% of them say that a 24-hour experience using some of these plant medicine tools was the single most transformational 24 hours of their life. And, and we've, we've brought in trauma victims, women who were sold by their mothers or raped by their bishops, all of these different... We brought them into some of these healing ceremonies, and in 24 to 48 hours, they say that was more effective than 20 years of therapy. And so so I, I helped to sponsor some new legislation here in Utah because I was oh, ta- that's cool. I was here ta- behind the ones that's coming through. Uh, yep. Yep. So I put some money into that and started working with them. In fact, we uh we took a group of uh, of of doctors from here in Utah. And because the 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 church has a has a powerful say, we we brought some active LDS bishops and because you know that there's there's really nothing in their doctrine that says you can't use these. No. You know, they're, they're the place that they call their word of wisdom is talks about you know herbs being ordained by God and Every used in the right way. Not made from God, exactly. Is, and so, yeah. so there are certain herbs that heal the body, and these ones. Now, they also say abide by the law of the land, and and so we took this group to Jamaica last week, where it's fully legal there and had them experience their first guided meditation experience there. Now, what was super interesting is we had a, we had a two-day event. And the first day, um, it was facilitated by a bunch of doctors. There was these PhDs, and there were some nurses there, et cetera. And they said, okay, we're going to do this very... Um, medically. Kinda, yeah, medically. Yeah, we, they had everybody laying on their individual uh, um, um, cushions. Yes, and they said, every, no touching, no hugging, no talking to each other, you know, and, and, and we're just doing the psilocybin, no other things. And, and it was, it was super heavy and super dark and just the energy was difficult. And <laughs> the end of the night, all of these, these, these participants, these doctors and even the bishops are like, I don't know about that. And so the next morning I said, guys, listen, I didn't want to rain on your parade last night. So me and Jimmy were there and we've, we've, we've run a lot of these things and they've been super effective. We're said, but we're sponsoring this thing and we pay for everybody to get here. So I'm just going to tell you what we have seen that works. And we, we, so we started it out with, with, with what I call a heart opener. We, we use cacao, which is fully legal with some chocolate, but it put everybody in a beautiful heart space. And then we did a sound bowl ceremony where we had, had my daughter playing the, the different sound bowls and it just brought out a, bu- a beautiful energy. It's what I call setting sacred space. And then I told everybody, listen, after the sound bowl ceremony and when you're dropped in, Get off your 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 benches and your couches and your pads. Go outside and watch the sunset. 
feel that connection with Mother Earth and with nature and talk to people and share your thoughts and your experiences while you're on the medicine. And that community, creating the right container, was transformational. Oh, yeah. And so it was so That's where that experience comes into play so much more beneficial. Like, there is medical value in certain instances, but with psilocybin and plant medicine, that community, that connection, that, like, you go into nature and you instantly become one with nature. Yeah. You talk to a person, you hug that person, you become one with that person. You are. Yeah. And it's so much easier to fully love yourself where so much of like the guilt, the shame, everything that comes with the human experience, it's so hard for us to look at ourselves and love ourselves and in the same simple ways that we love our kids, our spouse, our friends, you know, and that is incredible that you brought down so many doctors and religious people from this area because like I'm no longer religious, um, but I have a very much connected sense to something bigger. Yeah. And that has come from plant medicines because I predominantly grew up in the Utah faith as well. Mm-hmm. And I found that over the time, it didn't vibe with me. It didn't connect with me. And there's things that just, it didn't, didn't click. But yet when I connect to humans and nature and whatever this energy or that thing is, I feel this whole different connection that just never had experienced before. So that's incredible that you really were able to take down, I think, impactful minds in that. Well, what was super cool too is that not one of the active members of the church felt like it was pulling them away in any way. And on, on the contrary, it helped them connect with their creator and and spiritually in a way that they had never felt before. And so it's not it's not something that's going to say, okay, you do this and you're going to leave. No, it's it's <laughs> it, it, it 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 helps you let go of trauma, and yeah. and it helps you feel like you've never felt before. Mm-hmm. I I I um I like to explain it this way: if you imagine a a um a um a maze, you know, a little paper thing, you got the start and the finish line, right? And you're trying to figure out how to get to this maze to the finish. And let's say this finish line in your life is, is, is inner peace or, or being slower to anger or, or being more uh, understanding of your children and their trauma or letting go of your own trauma, whatever this, this finish line is, it's super hard in your conscious world to get there. Yet by using some of these tools where it strips the ego out of the way, puts you into a beautiful heart space and allows you to then say, okay, now I can deal with that trauma without being involved with it. I can, I can look at it and, and work through it in a way, or I can see how I'm handling my, my, my situations with my kids. And I can understand that's coming from my own trauma that they've, they've said many times that hurt people, people, hurt people, healed people, heal people. And so by, by helping these men and women heal some of their own personal issues, their own trauma from a child or whatever else, it will help being not so quick to anger and, and, and not, not creating more trauma in their children like their parents created in theirs. It can help solve that generational trauma. So it was, it was a beautiful experience, and I'm super grateful that it went bad the first night, (laughs) you know, because they were able to see the importance of the container itself. They were able to see that this can't be administered in a typical Mm. clinical environment. 
And, yeah. and so it allowed us to have those conversations about how we form the laws so that we can have the right protections in place. We can have the right guidelines in place, but we can have the flexibility allowing people to, to get the help that they need. Having the, the, the energy worker, so to speak, my, my, my daughter, my wife were there with their beautiful feminine, divine feminine energy, helping some of these nurses work through some of their childhood trauma in a beautiful way that couldn't have happened if they were just laying on their bed, listening to, to music mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it was transformational. And, and we, we passed the, the Senate 100%, the House only one dissenting vote here in Utah in, in the decision to move forward with, with figuring out what the bonds, bounds of legalization is. Yeah. But I'm super grateful that these people in these, these important positions in our state are seeing the value of using some of these tools for trauma healing. I can't tell you how many people we've got to been able to help them get off of Xanax and Zoloft and opioids and all of these things through using some of these healing tools. Yeah, that's, it's, you know, that's where, like, I, I'm still a part of the LDS faith here in Utah. And and I openly say that because I, there are so many inside that believe that this is, there's too much stigma around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, even I mean, I'll be at a church on Sunday and somebody be like, what do you do for a living? I say, I smoke pot for a living. <laughs> and they go... Uh, come again and i'm like no 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 you heard me right i I smoke pot for a living and they go um and i'm like no no and i show them i'm like i have the number one cannabis podcast in the world and they go oh and i said it's strictly to educate you and it always ends up where i'll leave a chapel and i'm walking down a hallway and it's not a kid asking me questions it's a 40 45 year old mom or a 63 year old grandmother saying so I got some questions for you. And I said, great, I will have some direction for you, but not answers. <laughs> Only you can find those. Beautiful. And it's to get them, that's that's why Brandon and I created this, was not to glorify the stunner culture, because cannabis is a great way to, as an entry level, it's very soft and it's very pliable. There's so many different types of strains and make you feel different, but it's a gateway for them to be able to see what else, what else is out there, what plants are out there, they're gonna help me feel better. I mean, not only physically, mentally, you know, being able to, it, it's it's a supplement. When you talk about the medicines, when you talk about psilocybin, even, even you know, synthetics on, on uh, ketamine. Mm-hmm. You know, I when you brought up childhood trauma, I have a very good friend, we sat down, we haven't talked in years, and he told me he went through six ketamine treatments, and through that time, he was able to pull back. He didn't understand why, one, why am I so angry? to why did I turn to alcohol so severely? It almost ruined his entire life. Wife was ready to bail. And going through these treatments, he realized that he had been sexually abused as a child from very young. And it was by someone that he loved very much. It was a neighbor. And I can only imagine these children being able to face somebody who's a stranger, but even more horrifying when it happens to somebody that you believe is there to protect you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's 90, over 90% of child rape victims was done by somebody they, they know knew. Yeah. and trust. Familial. Have you had much experience in children with um, using psilocybin or these plant medicines for healing? Because I've... it's not something that I really talk about on this, but both of my daughters have had experiences in their past with people um, 
that it just, it's affected them um, and their life and everything to this day. And it's something that I've thought about because I've noticed the drastic impact that it's made in my life um, in healing and processing and moving on. Mm -hmm. And I know that maybe when they get to a certain age, there is value, but I don't know anything about anyone yeah, I, I don't. I don't either. You know, right now we're working with with just adults. Um, there needs to be some more studies on yeah. on child development type stuff. But you know, I I will say that um, unfortunately, it's adults that that have. You know, for example, most... we've we've had we've had these guided meditation journey experiences with with uh, uh, 21, 23 year old. Um, kids, you know, our daughter and some others. And I found that energetically, you know, when you need it again, and most of them one time they're, they're good. Six months or a year later, they're like, Hey, you know what? I might kind of work on some things, but us 40, 50 year olds, you know, we've buried our trauma so much, (laughs) you know, it's going to take a few. And for me, you know, my experience, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't raped. I had a beautiful childhood. I, I had a safe home, didn't have any trauma, never any physical or verbal or sexual abuse at all. However, mm-hmm. my trauma was fully self-created. So five years ago, I wasn't Paul Hutchinson. I was Paul effing Hutchinson, right? I, I had wow. built a multi-billion dollar company. I had go rescue kids. I had this big ego and I had a super dysfunctional personal life with, with my relationship with my kids and my, my past wife and my second wife. And, you know, all, it was just dysfunctional in so many ways. It was unhealthy in every way. And one of my undercover operators who had used some of this to work through some of his own PTSD, he said, Paul, do you trust me? I said, well, I trust you a hundred percent. You know, you have my back in most dangerous places in the world. He said, he said, you need to come to this. And you need to trust this experience. It will change your life. And it's exactly what happened. I was able to see the pain I was causing and, and feel it like I've never felt before. I was able to feel the pain. Every cell in my body could feel the pain of my children when I cheated on their mom. I could feel it. I, I could I could feel the pain of of the the fear of of my ex living on her own without me there because I brought her to thirty thousand feet and said, "Okay, I'm done with you." Type of I could feel that pain, and and I could separate myself and see how my actions were really affecting others. And and I was I was laying there. I had some headphones on, and I was I was playing some of the 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 what I call the journey music, this meditative music and stuff, and I. I was so deep in the pit of hell. I was so dark and it was so heavy on my soul in so many ways. And then I, I, I changed my playlist to what I call my, my Jesus songs, right? And I changed my playlist to that and I could feel the light lifting me out and just cleaning all this crap from me where it wasn't on me anymore and it was part of my past and I could move on to this new life of, of integrity in every area, not just in business, but integrity in bed and my relationships and everything else. And, and seeing that new light and seeing my ability to shed that old self and separate myself from that big ego that was in front. I'm telling you, I went to therapists before. 
And I spent the whole time trying to impress my therapist about how amazing <laughs> I was. You know what I mean? So it didn't really end up helping you anyway. Yeah. Hutchinson. Yeah, Paula fucking Hutchinson. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly... Yeah, I felt like it should be said like a Boston accent. Yeah, Paula yeah. fucking Hutchinson. You don't want to mess with me. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You know Joey. But see, but, I didn't get that vibe from you now. When you oh, walked into my house, God. it's a very different Paul. Oh, I, I've worked on that for five years. I've shed that and and uh, and these experiences have transformed my life to the point where I've got a super healthy relationship today. In fact, I have to tell your audience. Here's my mic drop story. You ready cool. for this? Yeah. Drop okay, it. My, my mic drop story is not building a multi-billion dollar company. Okay. And it's not even going on all these undercover rescues and rescuing all these kids. Here's Damn. my here's my mic drop. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so so have you ever heard of Henry Cavill? He, yeah. He's the actor who plays Superman. Right? Oh, right, he's got the pecs, he's got the body, he's got the face. So yeah. Henry was in um, out of an S H A D A, out of an S is my 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 uh, girlfriend's soon to be wife. Right, so she was a famous actress in Colombia. We we ended up meeting in Haiti. I was finishing up some of the undercover work. She was donating her time at an orphanage in Haiti. So I tell people wow. meeting a meeting a famous Colombian actress is kind of cool, but when she's donating her time at an orphanage in Haiti, that's pretty badass. Freaking cool. awesome! Yeah. Now here's the best part. <laughs> So Henry Cavill was in her work almost every day. They are starting to date. And she dropped him from me. A freaking stole what? Superman's you girlfriend. There you go. That's, that's girlfriend. pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty big mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> that is a giant mic drop. That's awesome. Take that, Superman. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He's over there like, well, I'll eat up her porridge with my eyes. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I would not have qualified for a woman like that in my life. As the old Paul F. fucking Hutchinson version of me. Yeah. You know, I had to cleanse a lot of that energy. I had to change the man that I was and get rid of that massive ego and that trauma that I was causing in order to have a healthy relationship. See, I met you when you were pre today's Paul Hutchinson. And I felt that around him. I mean, he definitely had that don't fuck with me kind of attitude. <laughs> like some of the things, I mean, I was at I a mean, gun- I don't know any other billionaire. So like <laughs> I can imagine there's some type of ego that would come with that well, of type course. of- Of course. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it's like listening to interviews with Kanye. He's like, I don't even know what this money is. He's like, it's just there. It's like, I just go places and it's paid for. He's like, I don't, I don't think about that. Uh-huh. And how wonderful may, must it be to him, be, be him. I mean, that's bliss Yeah, where you're thinking about actually everything before was just down to this and every single win and just inflating the ego and giving you that opportunity to be saying like, I fly. I mean, you already beat Superman, <laughs> right? So yeah, right. you're flying above going, bitch, what? And Paul so, versus Superman movie. Right. Well, <laughs> Paul against the world. But to be taken down, what a great story that is to be taken down by yourself. Yeah. Right. The kryptonite wasn't wasn't anything necessarily that manifested itself through psilocybin or any other type of plant medicine. It was allowing yourself to accept it. Yeah, and that's one of the I, I absolutely love. I mean, we talk about microdosing and being able to go on a. We need to go on a journey. You know, it, it, it has helped us. It, he brought me into this world, and it, it changed me completely. I'm healthier physically, mentally, spiritually. Yeah. I'm I'm more in line with the person that I was meant to be. But I'm I'm grateful for 
the traumas that I went through, the issues that I had with myself, self-induced. Yeah. Like you're talking like it, people forget that, that yourself putting all that pressure on you, it's going to pour over some way or another. And it, unfortunately, it's usually the ones that are closest to us that feel that aftermath. Mm -hmm. So I'll yeah. tell you my, my strategy in uh, solving child trafficking. You ready for this? Yeah. Give it. Okay. I would love to hear it. I'm going to start with, and, and I saw this super clearly. We, we went to, um, we, we had some wonderful meetings with some mentors that come kind of spiritual mentors and helping us see uh, kind of life path, et cetera. And then we went to Egypt and they closed down the pyramids just for us. Like, like we had four hours inside of each That's of the That's a flex oh right gosh. there. Yeah. yeah, super cool. I mean, Superman was we cool. We are definitely but... jealous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, no yeah. I will say we had to wake up at three in the morning to do it. Still, because yeah. we, it's we Egypt. They, like, they open up to the general public at eight. So we had it from four to 8 a.m. However, wow. we went in and we did a guided meditation ho holographic sound healing ceremony what? inside. The Great Pyramids. Another flex. Oh my gosh. Super cool. That sounds shit. What and, was the acoustics like? Oh, in it was that? absolutely amazing. In fact, there's a lot of research that says that, that the inside of those at the right place at the King's yeah. Chamber was was healing areas. And so I I I got into this deep meditation and I saw clearly what needs to happen. And here's what it is. My first book that'll be coming out in about three months. I haven't written any books yet. And and I've been pouring every day on this. My first book is going to be called, Are You Listening? With My Hand on My Heart. Not Are You Listening With Your Hand on Your Ear. Are You Listening With My Hand on My Heart? And I'm going to start with a, because I believe this, that I need to lead people down this path of understanding something beyond what their logical mind is doing, a, a non-religious spiritual understanding of the universe, of the world around them. It's going to be something that will include all religions. I'm going to be talking about God, but I'm going to say, listen, I don't care if you call God Allah or the universe or Heavenly Father, whatever it is, you can put your own word in here, but I'm going to be talking about that connection. And I'm, my first chapter starts, and this is a beautiful story for your, your listeners. In my early 20s, I met a man, his name is Jerry Prine. He actually died back in 2010, but Jerry had, he read on a third grade level. He never graduated from eighth grade. He was called stupid his whole life. People thought he was just unintelligent. However, he ended up being the inventor of over 300 life-saving medical devices. Wow. He was the inventor of the original software, a voice recognition software that IBM was using, et cetera, all these other inventions. And I went to lunch with him in my early 20s. And he said, Paul, he said, you could have an IQ at 200 if you wanted. And I'm like, no, I'm really not that smart. <laughs> I worked my butt off for my grades, and I didn't even get a I didn't even get a scholarship to the U. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a University of Utah dropout, right? So, so I'm not that smart. He goes, no. He said the difference between me and you is that I listen better than you. And I said, you listen better than me. And I touched my ear, and he said, no, I listen better than you. And he touched his heart. He said, I had a disadvantage in that I couldn't read. And I couldn't use the logic that everybody else did. So I had to learn how to trust my heart, to trust my intuitions. He said, most people discount their intuitions because they know not from where they came. They believe they came from their limited knowledge or the books they've read, the people they've talked to, or they've already got low self-esteem. And they look in the mirror and say, here, you're a dumb fuck right there. Yeah. But instead... 
if they understood that those beautiful truths are coming from a place of infinite truth, the connection that we have energetically, spiritually, to every heart to heart to heart to every person on the planet, the the connection we have to Mother Earth, the connection we have to the universe. And he asked me, he said, Paul, he said, do you think that I'm the inventor of those medical devices? And I said, you have the patents, right? He goes, yeah, I do. I said, you're the inventor? No, I'm not. I said, you stole them? He goes, well, kind of. He said, how long has the universe been around? I said, oh, millions of years. He said, billions upon billions of years. He said, those medical devices were invented billions of years ago. I was a better listener than you. He said, when you understand that, that we're, we're, we're like this supercomputer with unlimited capabilities, but the way that most people enter information into their supercomputer is one letter at a time typing it in or one of those old floppy disks, you know, and, and that's has like... 20 kilobytes on the exactly. entire thing. It's a little teeny little yeah. bit all the time. That's how we live our life. He said, when you learn to listen, when you learn that every single one of us are built as the day that we are born with this light of truth and the ability to discern good from evil, right from wrong, truth from false, and literally, quote, download information, he said, when you learn to trust it, he said, "You'll it's it's like taking the supercomputer instead of typing it in one word at a time. It's like plugging it into a fiber optic high speed connection with unlimited information and a and a truth filter on there to to filter out anything that's not truth that's coming in." And so that that changed my life. I started I started trusting more when when something came up when 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 uh, a direction when I, when I when I got this prompting I should call somebody. Boom! I would call them immediately. I wouldn't wait five minutes. I wouldn't wait two days. I would do it immediately because there was some reason why that person came to my mind right there at that time. And, and that started moving everything in the right direction. I, there, there's two things that I attribute my success to. That's number one. And the second one was in my early 20s, I had a, uh, I had a meeting with a guy who, who encouraged me. He said, Paul, he said, make a decision today that 20% of your money, not 10% like a lot of churches do, he says 20% of your money and 20% of your time will go to charity, to making a positive impact in the lives of other people. You make that one decision. And this is back, I'm earning $2,000 a month at the time. 20% is like 400 bucks. I'm living on 1600. That's a big chunk, right? <laughs> yeah. I says, can I wait till I get rich to do that? He said, do you want to be rich? Yeah. Well, then you need to do it now. Okay. And, and, that decision, together with learning to listen, yeah. transformed everything. How does somebody become a, a, a partner, let alone a co-founder of a, of a multi-billion dollar company? Well, you, you're not a University of Utah dropout, right? The, the, you, you go to Harvard, you get a JD MBA, you, you go to New York, you start at the bottom, you start kissing button. Maybe, maybe 20 years later, you end up being a partner at a firm like that. The statistical probability of me being where I am is zero. The only way that I can understand it is that I made those two major shifts in my early 20s where I made the decision to give a huge percentage of my money and my time to charity, and I learned to listen energetically and follow. Every single one of the child rescue missions had an element of, I wasn't following protocol and logic, I was listening. 
And in fact, if we have time, I'll tell one of the stories there on the listening, which will be super powerful. Which is interesting, just talking about the listening and feeling from your heart. Um, there's science that's been done talking about the amount of neurons in your heart. Like, actually, that you can think from your heart. And there's actual cultures outside of normal Western cultures that they actually raise their children for the first eight years with only thinking with their heart. They only use the neurons in their heart because a lot of the times we'll have this feeling of like, instantaneous in our head, one thing. And then our brain kicks in and it starts telling us all these other things. Because the very first instance is that feeling from your heart. Yeah. It's your heart going, this is it. Because it knows and it feels deeper than anything we can. But yet our mind is always like doing all of this other stuff that just kills our heart stuff because we don't listen and we don't, we're not trained to follow and listen to our heart. Yeah, and it's even when you talk within the professional world, I made a shift uh, three years ago that I'm going to love everybody that I'm going to possibly be working with because nobody cares whatever I sell, do, build, be. They could care less, but they it's almost a Dale Carnegie type thing, right? You want people to be able to like you. And how does that start? Well, it doesn't start by you trying to be able to put on this fake facade. And once I started allowing people, like I would, I would meet somebody who's not affiliated with any type of religion. And after this lunch, I'd say, hey, man, I just want to tell you, I love you. And they go, I love you too. Like they reach out like, they, like what? And the really funny thing is that like within, in the faith, that's not something that's said yeah. to anybody. So I started doing that in there. It's like, Hey man, what's your name? He goes, I'm brother. I said, no, 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 no. What's your name? I'm Cameron. Cameron, I love you, bro. And he goes, Hey, thanks. And I'm like, look, my wife's hot. I don't want your hairy ass. So don't worry about it, okay? And then all the guys start laughing. And I was like, why don't we love more? I was like, why, why are we so concerned about making sure that we go down this linear path that they believe, you know? It, it, yeah, you could try and do that. But what I see is a lot of pain, a lot of this is just what I'm supposed to do. Instead of being able to be a free agent, to move around, to yeah. do things. I mean, to be what, what a lot of kids want these days, they want free worlds and video games. I want to do whatever I want, however I want. And I want to discover my own way. And that's why I believe now it's it's how we should be in life. Why don't we explore everything? And and I really like what you're talking about while being able to really listen. Yeah. Because that is something that we don't do a lot. And Brandon bringing, bringing up neurons and hearts that's some that's some <laughs> crazy some science stuff. shit I never heard, right? But that but that is so I like cool. learning. Yeah, I mean, well, we both are, right? We're always going into it, and it's it's so great knowing that there there is a great way to be able to connect these, and plant medicine definitely is that next evolution over there. Of course, big pharma doesn't want to do that, and that's the reasons why we created it. We want power in the consumer, yeah, because the consumer drives the laws. Yep. That 100%. You know that better than most anybody I've ever met, <laughs> but it's all the consumer. And if the consumer wants something in droves, they're going to start pushing it. And lawmakers are left like, well, I believe these things, but there's a lot of good coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll transform lives by opening these up. And I think we're we're less than 18 months nationwide from having FDA approval on on some of these healing tools, which is super exciting. Yeah. 
because it will it will make a massive impact in the in the world when when they are available with with the right controls in place, but they are available to to help with healing. Well, I think about how impactful that is because so the person who abused both of my children, they had seen their father shoot their mother in front of them when they were six, wow, and then shot themselves in front of them when they were six. So they witnessed that trauma as a child. And I don't even know what else happened past that in their life. And I I can't, and I will never know what it's like to live in their shoes, to live through every experience that put them in that place where they were making those decisions. You can't know, but like the impact that that can have to truly heal, like you said, hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, heal people. And how many people can we heal with these types of medicines to truly to get started yeah to allow themselves to be able to because i think that's the hardest part that that therapy doesn't really i mean maybe over several years right i mean i my wife saw a therapist one therapist that she found was able to connect with her because he listened Mm -hmm. but all the other ones are so clinical and it, it doesn't make sense like you said like i saw a therapist for a certain amount of time the insight i got on my very first journey totally trumped all of it it was like <laughs> yeah. oh man i mean you didn't even think yeah. about the uh, for me it wouldn't even be about the money it's the time yeah you think i could get back going mm-hmm. oh he told me to do a couple things some jumping jacks and some breathing techniques and here's all these pills hopefully that shit <laughs> helps you and it didn't yeah so i oh, mean that's it's just and this is exactly why our audience is is would love something especially where we haven't really delved with into other plant medicine but we both partake of that. We, we, it's centered us. It's made us well, better people. Well, and the, the cannabis movement, I believe, has, has been the door opener to exploring what other tools have been deemed as evil and illegal by, mm-hmm. by big mm-hmm. pharma and, and thrown under the bus and put in places where we can't use them. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been all of our adult life. These things were all, all, uh, all made illegal before any one of us were even born. Well, and if you go look at the uh, government actual listing of dangerous, uh-huh. like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA are way down here at the bottom. Cannabis is clear up here. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so the very first time I tried um, LSD or psilocybin was looking at that. And I'm like, okay, so they're telling me that cannabis is really harmful. But I know from years of my own research and reading all the data that's put and put out from thousands of studies, I know cannabis is not harmful for me. And yet they're telling this other plant that they told me was super horrible. They're deeming as like a hundred times less dangerous than cannabis. Well, and that's, that's the reason why, because, you know, those ones definitely, they're so potent. They're so strong. Yeah. But they're saying it's less dangerous than cannabis. And so it was like, but if you think about it, what cannabis opens you up to a lot of suggestions if, if it's done with intent. Right. If it's me getting high with my friends, which I haven't been high in a long time, I get elevated definitely, but it's, it's it's being able to gauge it. And what's, what's frustrating to me over the last few years, I, um, from, as an investor, I, uh, I made some decisions a few years ago thinking, okay, the world is starting to open up their eyes when it comes to cannabis. And uh, is there opportunities here? Maybe not in the THC side, but in the CBD side, CBG yeah. side, et cetera. Is there opportunities there that people aren't thinking of? And so 
Um, uh, my son, I told him, Hey, take a look at this industry, see what you think, come up with some ideas. And, and he came up with a, what I thought was a fantastic idea. He said, dad, he said, he said, unfortunately the CBD, CBG, a lot of the cannabinoids, if, if they're ingested into your stomach, they don't have the same, same effect. And so that's why the tinctures will go underneath the tongue and it right. can, mm-hmm. can come in there. But a lot of people swallow them anyway. He, so he came up with this idea of, of having, uh, a full spectrum in a gum form so that as you're chewing it gum already is a is is an anti-anxiety tool in fact it's the it's the biggest habit in the world is gum chewing and so he thought okay we're going to do a gum we're going to uh, we're going to uh, put the the a full spectrum CBD and stuff in the gum and and have just under the amount of THC so we can be legal in every state yeah. And did a great job with the marketing and putting together some some uh, packaging and everything else. Unfortunately, him and his guys that he was working with, his friends, they had a lot of experience in pushing things on on Amazon and Facebook um, ads and Google yeah. ads and everything else. Places you can't do, and you that. can't you can't even advertise on any of those. And so it's yep. like they're like, okay, well, how do we sell this stuff? So I've I've got a I've got a half a million dollars worth of. I mean, it's really $2 million worth of inventory at retail yeah. just sitting with with some, you know, it's a great idea, but trying to push it out through these different channels. So, you know, if if any of your listeners want to want to buy an entire company, I'll sell it to them at pennies on the dollar because <laughs> I got other things going on, but it's great. It's it's some it's a it's a great product. It's just figuring out effectively how to move it because we're still hitting a lot of these walls. We're legal in all 50 states. But I still can't advertise on Amazon or Google yeah. AdWords. Nope. That's just crazy. And that was the hardest thing is we've run into tons of CBD companies and a lot of them that were like trying to sponsor with us because they're like, hey, we have no other way to market. We have no way to push our product of going, this is what we have. How are we getting it out to people who use cannabis? You can't use Google ad. You can't use Facebook ad. You can't use any normal marketing avenue that you're used to. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to get in front of people who would use cannabis or even those who don't use cannabis? Because that is a ton larger like demographic than current cannabis users. Mm-hmm. But there's so much value in microdosing, that little dose that you probably have in your gum. Mm-hmm. It's the same as those microdose tablets that we have from mm-hmm. Discreet. And the drops. Or the drops over from, from, the from the quick liquids. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, package package of gum has got, got 200 uh, milligrams total in the in the um, eight pieces of gum that are in there, and so it, it's it's higher than what you're getting on the tinctures and everything else. But yeah, it's getting it out in front of people uh, it, when when you can't use any of the of you know the regular marketing tools is super difficult. So, so is it live right now? It's got a site. It you does. Can yeah, distribute the, yeah, everything. The the the, the company is called Vibe V I B uh, Vibe CBD Gum. I think we we own gumforgolfers.com and you know a bunch of stuff like that but but we're not really doing anything with it because it was just barely selling enough just to cover the But it's the, still live though. It's still live right, All right. now. We'll yeah. put the link in the show notes if you guys are interested in gum go check it out. That'd be yeah. awesome and if anybody wants it just yeah. say hey you know what just just if somebody's got a distribution channel if they're already moving a bunch of stuff I'm I'm uh, I've got I've got bigger fish to fry. I'm yeah. writing the books. I'm working on soul healing. I'm working on some of these things. So I'd be super interested in somebody. If somebody wants to just run it, I'll just give it to them, and we'll split the profits. Yeah. Or if they want to pay me a couple bucks or whatever, you know, send but, us an email. We'll connect you with Paul. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That would, that would be awesome because because th- these are tools that are really helping people. You know, it's 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 just like the 
you know, I have a CBD uh, roll on that I use. I have my back is hurting and stuff when I'm asleep and what, and that changed everything or, you know, gummies when you go to sleep. It's such a beautiful tool to help alleviate anxiety, to help take away pain. So yeah, let's, let's figure out how to get all those roadblocks out of the way so we can take yeah. them to the world. Yeah. As many people that listen to this all over the world, there's got to be somebody that's looking because that's a unique angle mm -hmm. gum. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've seen that in nope. dispense. No, mm -hmm. no, I maybe in some dispensaries, but it's mostly THC fee, like focused. It's yeah. more on a higher dose. Yeah. <sighs> so that, that no. can't be sold in all 50 states. That's dependent on the specific state. No, I'd be in, really so. curious on the flavors. Oh, it's, it's full super spectrum. good. I, I think you'd like it. It's it's super good. Here's what's frustrating. There's there are there are laws like in Utah. Yeah. Okay. So so you can put cannabinoids, CBD and stuff in as long as it's not food. Now now so you can't put it in. You can't sell brownies with it and whatever else. Now here's what's crazy, is gummies are not considered food, but gum is. So there, there are some states that won't, I can't even sell this stuff in my own state. Now I can sell it online. You can buy it online, but I can't have it in a dispensary. I can't have it in a store. Uh, you can't sell it in pharmacies here in Utah? Um, I have to look into it. This was the last okay. time I heard they yeah, were yeah. going back and forth with the lie. I think that they changed some things on it, but mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of pharmacies do have it now. We could talk but, to Tim. Do you know Let's Tim see. Pickett by chance? He's the founder of UtahMarijuana.org and Kindly MD. I, I think I've heard of Tim. I don't. I don't know Tim. Yeah, he's a medical professional, and uh, they also have Kindly MD. It's a new one that's focused on microdosing oh. uh, with THC. But yeah, he's. We should talk to him yeah. too. Definitely. We'll see if that would be a good fit. For yeah, sure. It'd be good. Yeah, I he, just he would have able to help a lot. Partner with people and get into the right hands. And but meanwhile, let's we'll figure out how to change the laws so this crap doesn't happen yeah exactly <laughs> get the right tools and well i mean that's that's what this was for right more people asking for the product if the demand is there mm -hmm. they'll start being able to do it and and a lot of people are opening up to it which is really amazing especially those who are like zealot religious people like that's my favorite I've conversion had two of my family members my dad and my grandma who have used cannabis now medicinally mm -hmm. um and that's been after lots of discussions, lots yeah. of education and proper dosing. My wife, my sister-in-law, my father. My father had uh, difficulties with alcoholism and cannabis helped him to be able to break that. It was awesome. I mean, he went through a hardcore detox and I know because I was an MA for 10 years and I, I helped him through that. I watched him every day and watching what he went through with so many medications and how frustrated I was with the nurse that I was talking to. I'm like, he's taking way too many medications. Like, he can't even make sentences. They're like, oh, to, just to help with the detox. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's the, again, it's a, it's, a, it's the same thing like with cancer. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, could we find a legit way that's going to be, you know, this is affected by this much percentage without harming you? The medical community is really not open to that. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's awesome. There's so many different things you're involved with, man. And, and it's so <laughs> yeah. cool, especially like going from, you know, and, and I, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast, uh, the Sean Ryan show. I, I've never listened to it, but I've. So he, that's one that, uh, we got to figure out how to get you on that one oh, because, that. because he talks to, he has special forces guys on there, Delta force, mm -hmm. SEAL team six, and it always ends up talking about plant medicine. 
Interesting. Every single time. <laughs> going to Mexico, going on a journey, mm-hmm. and these warriors, who everybody thinks are just these robots that are just kill machines, no, this is this haunts them every single day. Yeah. And not being able to have access to that or thinking that it's too taboo. They all talk about prescription medications, being addicted to drugs, using alcohol consistently. Yeah. Because the body's trying to heal itself. Yeah. And the the psychoactive relationship that you have to pharmaceuticals or alcohol is very minute compared to what you get from cannabis and other plant medicines. And Mm so it's really cool. But I mean, the shows on there, especially all the the stories you have, that'd be awesome. You know what? We just put a hashtag in there for Sean Ryan. Oh yeah, in we'll our show notes, right? Yeah, definitely, we'll just a good idea. <laughs> but cool guy, ex seal, uh, ex seal team guy, ex CIA operative, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, we have a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah, dude, with his episodes these. are like four to six hours. So yeah. you want to talk about everything, bro? Awesome. Bro, that's <laughs> the one. But super cool, yeah. But yeah, it, it just I thank you for one listening more, and two by being able to see and realize that any of us can make a change for the better, no matter where we are in our station in life, whether we're barely getting by, or whether we've got more money than ever calculable in our head, we can go, what do I wanna spend that on? Because I think about Tony Shea a lot. I think about Tony Shea a lot and how tragic his life ended, even though he quote unquote made it. Right. Well, so many people that everybody thinks make it is still struggling dealing with trauma inside. So yeah. many, so many. I can't tell you how, you know, before COVID, we were in a different country almost every other week uh, speaking to royalty and world leaders and family office conferences uh, with billionaire families. And, and it's amazing how you think, how oh, they've got everything. They've got the yacht, they've got the jet, they've got this beautiful lifestyle, but they're still just as human as the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, they are. They're just, they, they, they have generational trauma, they have childhood trauma, they have all of these things that they're still dealing with. And so it it, it doesn't matter. In, in my eyes, it doesn't matter if somebody's a street sweeper, a janitor, a billionaire, it doesn't matter. Right. Every single one of us have this beautiful light inside and we can heal. We can heal. I can, I can connect with people on every level and, and help them see how they can let go of the challenges that are holding them back and how they can, they can literally create a world of abundance. My, my first book will all be, and this will come out in the next couple of months, all on, on listening, on intuitive listening. And, but the second one is realizing that it's not just being a receiver, it's a transmitter as well where it's not the law of attraction. In reality, it's the law of creation, that every action, every word, every thought is creating abundance or scarcity, is creating joy or pain, is creating. And so by changing those thoughts, my, my, my first successful company I built in my 20s was the Midwest Center for Stress and Anxiety. I, I, we had 50,000 people a month calling in off of the infomercial and Lucinda Bassett had this program and we did all the marketing and whatnot and had 200 empl- plus employees. And I, I personally, over the time of building that company, I personally, even though I had a few hundred employees, I loved being on the phone and I spoke with over 20,000 people who dealt with anxiety and depression disorders to the point where they are debilitating. And it's a huge number 
more than one out of every four people here in America have anxiety to the point where it's affecting their life in a pretty serious way. Wow. And and at some point in their life will make it so they can't really perform as an effective mother or husband or work or whatever else it is. But if you imagine this big, ugly tree of anxiety and depression and drug companies are just covering up the branches with billions and billions of dollars of medication, but the the, the branches are, are, are the physical... Uh, symptoms, irritable bowel syndrome, numbs in your hands and feet, your 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 heart palpitations, uncomfortable feelings in groups of people, all of these things that, that are coming out because of it. But the but the roots of the problem aren't being solved. The roots are simply negative habit patterns of thought, negative self-talk, worry, what if thinking, negative expectations, the perceptions we have of ourselves, our our coping skills and dealing with stress. These are all things that can be changed. And, and some of the, the plant medicine things can help people get out of that. But what our program was back then, it was a cognitive restructuring program. It had a workbook and audio and videos. And what, what made it so effective is that a lot of our videos and even our personal coaches were not therapists and psychiatrists. They were, they were people who had been through it before themselves who were sharing and teaching the principles that we were sharing on these videos and those testimonials. And that gave our people, our, our customers, the most important piece of the puzzle that they were missing, which was that of belief. If, they, if we could line them up with a coach who had been there before, a living, breathing, lo- loving human being that can say, I have been there. I know exactly how you're feeling. I did this, this, and this that are all part of this workbook. We had a 97% success rate. We, we had a 100% money-back guarantee if we didn't help them live a normal life again at the end of 12 weeks with the coaching program, and only 3% weren't there. That was so fulfilling to me. And, and, and as, as we're moving forward into this trauma-healing world, it goes to the same thing. It's changing those negative habit patterns of thought that come from childhood trauma, that come from how somebody somebody tells you some crap when you're, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, I had really bad buck teeth. You know, I couldn't even shut my mouth without my teeth coming over my bottom lip. People would call me Bucky and all these things. And, you know, and, and that trauma, they might have said that one or two times, but I said it back to myself hundreds and thousands yeah. of times. And that self-talk is what affected my self-esteem way more than one person's comment. And so by... By a lot of times when we're doing these journey experiences, doing mirror work is so valuable in, in helping them stand in front of the mirror and say, I like you. I love you. I love you. I was, I was doing a journey and there was this guy named Jordan. He had a Ferrari and a huge house and all this nice stuff. And we were, we were laying on the, on the, the, the ground, just looking at the ceiling and some stars and stuff there and whatever. And he said, Paul, he said, did you know, I, I haven't looked myself in the mirror for five years. I said, you're kidding me. Why? I just don't know that I'm going to like what I see. I said, are you good if we go up and just look at it? Oh, I don't know. I, I, let's do it together. We stood up. We went in this huge mirror in the bathroom, and I, he's looking down. I had my arm around his shoulder. I said, okay, we're going to look up together. Are you ready? And he looks up, and I says, okay, say I love you. I love you, Jordan. He goes, I can't say that. I said, can you start with I like you, Jordan? Yeah, I'm all I like you. So we did over and over again. I said, okay, now, and there was me and one other guy on either side of him. Now me and Jeremy are going to move out of the, the bathroom and you're going to stay here and just look at yourself and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. The next morning in integration, when he was talking about his experience, he said, I want to thank Paul for 
introducing me for, to my new best friend and changing that negative self-talk that has been with him for decades. It's so beautiful. That is a key part of that trauma healing in changing that perception, letting go of all of that stuff there, holding us down from negative perceptions of ourselves over years and years. Yeah, I did uh, probably a couple of years ago, I was in a full trip and um, I'd been told by a friend to do mirror work. Never, like all my other friends were like, don't look in the mirror when you're on psilocybin, like don't do it. And don't like, do it on the LSD. What? I remember my, when I was <laughs> yeah, when I was 19. So I, I took a mirror shit. with me and I was sitting in the bathtub and I'm looking in this mirror and I started looking at myself. And in that moment I realized I didn't love myself. Yeah. I don't really like myself. And I found that I was so judgmental and so hypercritical of myself in stupid ways that I would never be critical of any other person. And in that moment, like I was bawling. I found a love for myself because I realized I was like, why do you not feel like you're deserving of love? Why do you not feel like you can accept or be deserving of this love that I can't even give that to myself. And it was this huge impact of like realizing through all of my life, I was probably early thirties. I had never loved myself. I didn't love myself. And that was like a massive shift. Yeah. But it can be, it can be one of the most impactful things you can do. I think that that in and of itself is the most powerful thing that a lot of the psychedelic tools do is is they they help you let go of that self-judgment and begin to love yourself for the first time and it, it's scientifically proven that it's impossible to love another person more than you love yourself so if you're saying i've got infinite love for my children infinite love for my wife but you look in the mirror and don't love that man in the mirror your capacity to love is only exactly. say so much because exactly. you only love yourself so much. And exactly. it's like you can't love beyond your understanding and capability of love. Yeah. Once yeah. you help people understand who they really are, you can call it a child of God. You can call it a child of light. You can call it a you know divine source within. But we are so much more capable than than this physical body and and capable of infinite creation of abundance in every area of our life. And, and if we understood where we came from and understood this beautiful capacity that each one of us have to heal, to heal ourselves with unconditional love, unconditional, letting go of all of that judgment for all of the crap that we've ever done, letting that go, making the amends that we can, asking for forgiveness and the, and and that that forgiveness acknowledgement coming back to you is irrelevant that doesn't matter it's you saying it and letting go of that negative energy yourself so that you can increase your capacity to embrace unconditional love infinite love starting with yourself and then and only then can that flow over and and you can help others heal through that same beautiful energy wow this is Paul, thank you so much for coming over, speaking to us, and, and, and giving our audience a little bit more in depth of what is the next step within your cannabis journey could your be. Your plant medicine journey. Yeah, yeah. you're definitely, I mean, it's, it's taking this you to a another level. Soul healer journey. Yeah, soul healer, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. 
No, I've talked to so many people. It's changed their lives. And and we get countless emails of those people that are coming and saying, this has changed me. This has made me better. And taking that next step within your plant journey, your your soul healing journey, because it's definitely what it is. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This has been amazing. Thank you for your time today. Super grateful for the time here with your audience. Yeah. Thank you, brother. All right. Love you. Take care, man. Love you.